Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Dear Writer. Today, we are recording episode 142, and it is another one of our author spotlight episodes, and we have Paulette Stout with us today. So welcome, Paulette. Thank you. Amazing to be with you both. Paulette Stout is a contemporary women's fiction author based in Massachusetts. Paulette was raised by a single dad in Manhattan in a biracial, interfaith family, and she weaves this experience into her books. Her writing features diverse characters with the backdrop of New York City. Through her novels, Paulette includes a range of social issues that she feels are too often ignored by society. Paulette believes that fiction is a fantastic way to explore the lives and experiences of those different than ourselves. So it's really great to have you on the show, Paulette. I'm really excited to hear about your writing journey and how you got started writing and then dive in a little bit more into your series. Thank you. Thanks so much to you both for having me on. You're welcome. So how we like to start with these episodes is if you can tell us a little bit about how you first got started writing and when you decided to pursue it more seriously and began thinking about getting your book published. So it's it's kind of funny. I actually haven't spoken about this on any other podcast. So I was at a job many years ago where we got really bored at certain times of the year. It just was literally, we had put everything to bed and there was nothing to do for very months at a time. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to write a book. So <laughs> I went to my office maid and we're like, okay, what kind of a book should I write? And back then I was reading a lot of mysteries. So I'll write a murder mystery. So I wrote a murder mystery and you know, I finished it and I thought it's done and I tried to get it published and nothing happened. So I put it aside and many years later I went back and read it. It's awful. So <laughs> it's, everyone's lucky it didn't get published. Then flash forward, I had another book I was working on at the time. It was really covering some things that were going on in my life. And I was looking for other books on the subject of women's intimacy and I wasn't finding them. Everything I found was either super dry and medical or so kinky you wanted to peek through your fingers. So <laughs> I, I wanted a book that really filled the need that I had at the time, but I couldn't find. And I think that might be true for many writers who write the books that they want to read themselves. So that really kicked in in 2020. I had lost a job and I thought, you know, now is the time for me to really focus on this. It was a book that was very personal. And given the topic of women's intimacy, I didn't feel comfortable writing it when I wasn't working for myself. I didn't know what people would say. <laughs> I didn't know what other parents would say on the soccer sidelines and like, oh, there's a lady who writes the sexy books. So I, <laughs> didn't, I didn't pursue it until then. And I'm kind of glad I did because I was able to really focus on it and give it the attention it deserves. Like I worked on my craft, I worked with editors, I learned the skills you need to become an indie publisher. And really my goal is to put out a super high quality book that is indistinguishable from a book from a traditional publisher. You know, I want people to, from the editing to the quality, to the cover, to everything, I just want it to be a really great reading experience for people. So I take my time. And I do that right. And that's kind of where I am right now. I have 
two books out, a third book coming out in February 2024, all in the same series. I call it Bold Journeys. And I'm excited for this author journey I'm on right now. I love that your workmate was just like, here's a genre, write a book. (laughs) It's hilarious. (laughs) Yes. And it was really funny because I said, oh, so what should it be about? And she's like, the occult. So I had a whole storyline with this like weird cult in it and this whole, it was very involved. But at the time I had to learn about the conventions of the genre of murder mysteries. And that's why right now I love writing women's fiction because it's, I find it so much more freeing as a genre than, you know, mystery or romance or, you know, sci-fi or you really readers expect certain things to happen in a certain way in a certain order and a certain pacing and women's fiction really is a lot more open Mm -hmm. in terms of the flexibility as a creator and I really enjoy that yeah for sure I think you know there's so many different topics that can be explored through women's fiction and I was really excited to see that you you know, pay attention to those really deep issues. And I think it's really brave. Like you said, you're, you know, you were a bit nervous at the, at the start um, of what people might think, but I think, you know, those topics are just so important to society and that I'm, I'm glad that you've found your voice in the end and that becoming your own boss a little bit has allowed you to, to do that, you know? Oh, for sure. And it's, it's very freeing having my own business and I, enjoy my clients and you know my day job it's it's marketing content creation so I'm writing in the day and I'm writing by night and but it's different types of writing and mm-hmm. I just enjoy words but it's it's using different parts of my creative energy so I have to make sure that I have that balance so I have energy for both for sure that leads really well into our next question where you know you mentioned before that your first book happened from downtime at work and your you know first book that you wrote and got published came about uh, well over a long span of time but then you know I guess 2020 was a tumultuous time for a lot of people so I'm kind of wondering what your life work balance family balance everything balance with writing looks like these days yeah I'm just really privileged at this point in my life that I can prioritize my writing. So I wake up early in the morning. I usually somewhere between um, five and six o'clock in the morning. And I write for two to three hours on whatever my novel in progress is and whatever state it's in, you know, the first drafts to, you know, publishing, refining, I'm working on some editing now. Um, I get that out of the way. And then I go move a little. (laughs) I try to move a little bit and then I sit back down and I do my day job, which is doing marketing content writing. So I do a lot of branding, a lot of executive communications, a lot of, you know, mission, vision, values, strategy, marketing, copy editing, and so forth. So I enjoy both and, but it's a, a different brain space. So I have that. And then at the end of the day, you know, I have my life things. I, you know, spend time with my husband and then he goes to bed on the earlier side. So sometimes I pop back on (laughs) and then I either do more writing or I do, you know, marketing, social media, businessy things that are associated with the entrepreneur life (laughs) that I live right (laughs) now. Because it is, it is a small business when you 
decide to indie publish, you know, on a regular basis and try to make a business out of it. I'm really curious as to how you find marketing your books, like having a little bit of marketing experience as as your day job as to how, whether you use those skills or whether you find it like still pretty tricky, like navigating the sort of book marketing world. It's interesting because it's a lot of the same skills. So I do have an advantage over many authors, many of them who are introverted. I am not introverted. So it makes me a little bit more comfortable going on camera, on social media, like on TikTok or Instagram or, but it is many of the same marketing principles, you know, instead of selling a product or a mission in terms I worked in nonprofit for a while. So, you know, to a funder, I'm selling a book to a reader. And so a lot of the fundamentals are the same, but I think I have an advantage in a certain sense is I can be a little bit more dispassionate about some of the marketing aspects. So I'll give you an example. So I really blundered with the cover of my first book. I thought it was a romance. I packaged it as like with like a rom-com cover, And I went into market and it was not a rom-com. You know, my editor at the time, he wanted me to lean into the romance. So I did. And it was a big yikes. So that was pretty apparent. It blew up on NetGalley, which for those who don't know, is a place where, you know, people put up their books before they launch. So that book reviewers and librarians and bookstore owners and so forth can get free copies of the book. So it was a very popular download, <laughs> but I had lots of people who were reading it who were expecting a rom-com content, and it was really women's fiction. So there are some funny and laugh out loud moments that people mention, but there's a lot of soulful, more serious themes in my book mm-hmm. that didn't fit the genre expectation. So because I had the marketing background, I pivoted really quickly and swapped the cover. Now, some people get really emotionally attached to their cover. It's the book of their heart and Mm -hmm. they want things from the content of the story to be represented on the cover. It's like, oh, no, 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 Bobby Joe's hair is brown and your person's blonde on the, you know, people get really emotionally wrapped up in the cover. And I think my marketing background enabled me to look at a book cover for what it is. It is a package. It is like Mm -hmm. a box of cereal. So, If the box of cereal cover is not working, you change it. So that is what happened to me. So I pivoted really quickly and I did another cover, which also didn't work. And I pivoted off of that. And, you know, if you go look at Goodreads and places, you can find all three covers (laughs) of my first book. So within the first six months of my book being out, I changed the cover three times. I know that you don't use video but i will show you and people can go look them up this is the first cover of my book it has a cute girl with a motorcycle in the cartoon style the second book i wanted everyone to know there were lady parts going on oh my gosh yep okay so for your (laughs) listeners it is a cross-section of a grapefruit so you know amazon and so forth they were very not happy with me facebook they wouldn't let me run ads they said it was obfuscated profanity (laughs) i'm like it's a grapefruit so how are y'all getting to it's a great That's hilarious. So well, the third cover that you'll find now is really on trend. It's yeah. a purple cover with a picture of an orchid. So this is on trend and this is the style of my series going forward. So all my books now have this flower with a bold color background. All three are great But I think covers. my background 
Yeah, I love that. I know they're all great, right? Yeah. But they were wrong. It's all about setting reader expectations. So that's where the marketing background, I think, comes in handy that I'm able to look at it with a little less of an emotional attachment and say, I am finding the wrong readers with this cover. I need mm-hmm. to find the right readers so that they'll have a good reading experience, so that I'll get good reviews and everyone can move forward and say what an awesome author Paulette Stout is and can describe my books and want more. Yeah, I totally understand that. You know, like I, I myself don't have a business background, but my father was an accountant. So he kind of taught us to be very, I guess, objective about looking at finances and things. So like, you know, when I look at stuff, I'm like, oh yeah, but this is a product that's got to sell. So like, it's not working, then you've got to change something, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. So I 100% get that. But I also get that, like, you know, for a lot of people, it's their, like, first book. I'm going to put in quotation marks very hesitantly, baby, because I really don't like the term because I'm really, <laughs> like, business-focused. <laughs> um, but, you know, and my actual baby means, like, a lot more to me, to be honest. <laughs> but you know like I know that like a lot of people view it that way so I I can see how people struggle to connect the two and you do put your soul into your books but yeah you do need to learn to keep a a bit of a distance when it comes to the marketing for sure 100% agree yes so from what you've said so far it sounds like your journey of writing itself has been a bit up and down as well from your first book which you said was you know, it was interesting reflecting on it a few years later after having written it and then, you know, having taken 17 years to write your next one. Wondering what your writing process looks like these days. Oh, I have it down now. <laughs> <laughs> I learned and I don't make the same mistakes twice. So yeah, you made all the mistakes already. I'm all done with those mistakes. So I'll make new mistakes. So my process right now is I'm aiming for a book a year. Right now I'm around a book 14 months. So okay. Between my first book and my second book was about 14 months. It'll be about 14 months between my second book and my third book in terms of the writing process. I am holding it back for lots of different strategic reasons Mm -hmm. because of when I want the book to launch. But in terms of my craft and writing, it'll be a little over a year. And that's partially because of my topics are complex and I'm sometimes writing about themes of which I am not familiar. So I like to engage sensitivity readers, experts in those areas, and that takes time. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I also want the quality, the book quality to be high. I want the characterization to be strong. I want the writing to be good. I want people to have a super good experience. Now, sometimes I almost feel guilty that people read my books in like two days because I feel like, ah, you know but the fact that they read them in like two days means they were engaging and they yeah. didn't want to put them back so I will never <laughs> complain <laughs> yes. that. good problem to have it's a good problem to have <gasps> so in terms of how you write do you tend to be more on like the plotting side or the pantsing side it sounds to me like especially if you do a little bit more research on the deeper topics you you have a little bit more of the plotting but I know that some people sort of intertwine both of the elements in there so how do you like to work with that I'm a planter so I do both (laughs) (laughs) I plot um I really feel that I need to have 
a roadmap for where I'm going. And I usually, I do a full outline for the book, scene by scene. And so I know where I begin, know where I end when I have a very, like a one sentence description of what I want to have happen in each scene. But when I sit down to write, it is really a very evocative creative process. And sometimes the characters misbehave and they do things <laughs> that I'm not anticipating and they go rogue on me. So I often have to restructure my outlines and get it back on track after my characters get into the story, have a huge party, they trash the place and they leave. So, and then I have to go pick up the pieces. That's a hilarious analogy. I love it. I like it too. I mean, they really just make a whole mess of the whole situation. And then I'm like, okay, all right. So, so and so, no, that wasn't supposed to happen that way, but I love it. So, whatever. (laughs) You know, they'll just go off and do things and sometimes my editor is just like oh lord you don't need that whole storyline take that out this person isn't no 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 take that you know so it's a it's a good i've had a good collaboration with my editor on on the past two two projects that i've done with her and i feel like i'm in a good place going into my fourth book to be a little more disciplined in terms of my story structure so hopefully i can get the books done faster and then once that happens then I feel like I'll really be able to to accelerate the process for sure it sounds like you've really refined your process over the years <laughs> I think yeah because like you know sometimes well my first book was one point of view in third person my second book was three point of views in third person and then when I was working with my sensitivity readers on my first draft which I'd never done before I'd never given anyone the first draft of anything but I felt like because my main character was a black woman I'm a person of color but I'm not a black woman so I wanted to make sure that if there were problems that I knew them really early Mm -hmm. so I, I they were been very involved in the drafting process and reviewing each draft that I've gone through so in in that sense I gave them maybe about 40,000 words of the first draft and they're like, you know what? I wish this was in first person. And I was like, Oh, I don't usually write in first person, but you know, I'll give it a try. So I wrote a short story that's in an anthology that came out earlier this year, which I love. I love that story. Y'all should go get that story. Anyway, I'll tell you about that later, okay. <laughs> but I loved writing first person. So I rewrote the book in first person and now I'm, I'm just a huge fan of first person writing. So that's going to be my, jam going forward and the current book i'm working on has two point of views first person for each the the lady and the gentleman so i'm just this book is delicious i'm so excited (laughs) (laughs) i love writing in first person too yeah i was just gonna say that i love that you've switched from like third person to first person and you really enjoy it that way we started writing in first person and then like our most recent book we've switched to third person you know like I you know see there's benefits to both but I really do love first person and I do miss it (laughs) writing in our adult book yeah and I think I totally agree with you and for me because of the stories I write and because I'm really trying to tell the soulful journeys of people experiencing these challenging issues, I think first person really works well for that type of storytelling. Mm -hmm. 
I, I agree. You know, I think you can get a lot across and really stir people's compassion as well through first-person storytelling, whereas you have a little bit more distance with the third-person perspective, I think. Yeah, I think I wrote third person in a very relatable, engaging way, but mm -hmm. I write first person that way too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we've briefly touched on your publishing journey a little bit. I was wondering if you go into a little bit more detail uh, about what that looked like for you. The publishing journey, yeah. for sure. So I did try with my first manuscript and with the early versions of the book that became Love Only Better that I published in 2021, I did try to query those and, you know, get an agent and so forth. And I got some feedback, but honestly, I felt like the publishing industry didn't want to go near women's intimacy with a 10 foot pole in the way that I was doing in the story with, you know, open door, you know, intimate scenes and, it was really straddling that fence between romance and women's fiction. Mm -hmm. And I just for, as a marketer and a business person, like we were talking about before, felt like they would probably have a hard time trying to figure out how to sell this book, what shelf it goes on. And just from a business perspective, it made mm -hmm. more sense for me to indie publish this book because I could keep the manuscript the way I wanted it to. And as a marketer, I felt like I was equipped to go to market with it in a way that I could find the right readers. So I really am committed to indie publishing. I wouldn't, if sometime in the future, I felt like there were opportunities for translation and foreign publishing rights and things like that, or a standalone project for with a publisher, I would never turn those down or I would look at them and consider them. But in terms of my Bold Journey series, I love that I own the intellectual property for these and then I can do whatever I want with them in the future, if anything should come of that. So Love Only Better is any published and that's that's the path I'm on at the moment. I don't have any interest in pursuing um, an agent in traditional publishing just because one, I think my personality is very well suited to the control and the creativity and the independence of indie publishing. Plus I'm just super impatient. Like I grew up <laughs> in Manhattan and we don't wait for nothing. And we would sit in a restaurant and if my dad wanted dinner, he would literally go walk in the kitchen and talk to them. Oh my gosh. So that's the person that I raised me. And that's, I'm not quite that bad. I will wait for the wait staff to come to the table. I think that's a really big, you know, a big give on my part. But <laughs> I think I would go mad if I had to wait, you know, two years for my book to come out or if I had to surrender the control over the product, the content, the packaging. I think it's just, I think I'm better suited to having the control over the whole process. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, as you're talking about the indie versus traditional pathways, like in your earlier description of learning about what cover would actually serve best, you know, I think the indie pathway is really helpful from that perspective is that you can pivot quickly. Like if you were with a traditional publisher and you try, wanted your cover changed or it wasn't working for, I mean, yeah, sure. They would probably be looking at that too. Cause obviously they want to sell the book, but I think it would be a lot slower turnaround to being able to change that cover to something that 
you know, is going to do well with the book. Yeah, I mean, from what my understanding is, if you're a newer author, they're really not going to invest a lot in your title. It's mm-hmm. they they would cut their losses and move on to another author versus reinvest in a new cover for that particular yeah. title. And that's probably the more likely case. But another thing is you're able to, you know, pivot, make, you know, make changes. I new baby author thought she was being helpful when I would reach out and tell an author that I found a mistake in their book. So I had an author where the characters, I a main characters, I color changed in the story and they were making a huge fuss about how beautiful this character was and the eye color of the character. And I made the mistake of reaching out and telling them and it was already printed, copies were in bookstores and it was too late for them to make that change. So if that was a print on the man indie book, I could just go pop in, change the hair color, eye color, and pop up another file and the same day. So I love that agility that you get. Um, I just uploaded new copies of my book to include the first chapter of my next book in the back of each title. Uh-huh. So, you know, change links, you know, also by, you know, I forgot to put in and about an author page. Never even occurred to me. I know who I am. <laughs> forgot to put it in so i was able to change the front matter and the back matter and upload new files so i love that you know ongoing governance over the titles that you can you know make changes that you think will help make for a better reading experience for sure i completely agree you know i think the independence you get through indie publishing is like one of the the biggest benefits and something that i really love about indie publishing I couldn't agree more. (laughs) (laughs) We've mentioned it a little bit in reference to your journey, but did you want to tell us a little bit more about your series, Bold Journeys? Oh, so absolutely. And I think that what I'm excited about with my particular personal journey is that I'm writing a series of books with a group of friends that, that are in the same universe and I'm kind of bopping around between the people. So they're, I like to think of them a little bit as standalones in the same universe, but Love Only Better is, um, it focuses on the character Rebecca and Kyle and the theme of the book is around a woman who is having challenges in the bedroom and feels like she's the only one and she's on a quest to feel what everyone's feeling and figure out what this the big deal is about this whole sex thing you know like she just doesn't know what she should be feeling and how and if her body is working and she just goes in this quest so it has a very strong women's empowerment Mm -hmm. theme in the book that i that readers enjoy there's also a romance in it and everyone loves kyle and i just love kyle anyway so the first book has lots of romance lots of intimacy and it's just you, you know, I, I have women just want, they want to like run through the wall, like screaming, like, why don't we talk about this? You know, that's my goal as an author brand is for people to, oh, what's Paulette writing about this time? You know, they, <laughs> they like my brand of storytelling and they just want to see how it's executed and what the topic is. So the second book, What We Never Say, is, it, it is also about Rebecca and Kyle, but Kyle has a point of view in this book, as does a villain named Jane, who is, modeled after like a Vogue editor, Anna Wintour type character who me too'd Kyle, if you will. So Kyle, this one has a me too with a male survivor and a female aggressor. And 
that's against the backdrop and Rebecca gets tangled up into the whole thing. So it's a three POV book, really delicious and fun and includes and it's set against the high stakes world of fashion publishing. So that one is super fun. And that is out right now with you know ebook print and audio i'm making an audiobook of the first book because i've done so well with the audiobook for the second book yeah. that i want to give that opportunity to people who are really consuming audio these days and the book that i'm working on right now that's going to the editor this weekend is what eyes can't see that will be out february 2024 and it follows the character barbara washington who is a black professional from a wealthy family she's a lawyer from a family of lawyers And she is just really hitting a glass ceiling in her profession, both from being a woman, but also from being a Black woman. So explores the experience of Black female professionals in the workplace. And it contrasts that against the experiences of the other main character, Sebastian, who is from a really impoverished family. Um, He's a white man from a gang-involved background when he was younger, and it just kind of juxtaposes both race and class and workplace discrimination in also a very delicious romance in there, too. (laughs) So I want these books to be fun for people to read. I want them to binge them, but I also want them to come away thinking, hmm, like, I never thought about that before. And this is giving me a new perspective on a topic that maybe I haven't thought of. The book after that will be around weight and body size, and that'll be out in 2025. But I haven't started writing it yet, but that's what I'm <laughs> I love how uh, planned out you have everything. Yeah, I have an idea for a book after that about the expectations of women to kind of partner. And if you're single into your 40s and you don't have children you know, what society, you know, the value that society yeah. puts mm-hmm. on and the expectations of women to marry and have children. So I might touch on that after that, but we'll see. That's really interesting. Actually, no, I remember a conversation with, you know, I was very young at the time. I think I was maybe like 20 or something. I was going through my degree, but I had a friend who was like 20. She wasn't even really in her 30s. I think she must be about 28. and um she said, you know, you get past the age of 25 and like my family, they used to suggest like guys for me like that were the same age. And now it like age doesn't matter. They just throw anyone into the ring. <laughs> they just want you to couple and get it on with already. So, you know, I think that kind of thing could make a really interesting book. <laughs> and it's it's so funny. The idea came to me because I wrote a prequel for Love Only Better, it's called All About Kyle. And it's because the first book is in Rebecca's point of view, you don't get into Kyle's head. So I wrote this prequel, All About Kyle. And it's in Kyle's, there's a character in the first book named Vivian. And she's, I love Vivian. I would just love to write a whole book for Vivian. But, you know, she doesn't want to get married, doesn't want to have kids. She just wants to do her own thing. So I just thought that was an interesting examination that was maybe worth poking around a little further. But that's... That's a few books off yet. Maybe it will be Vivian. You never know. It's, I love writing Vivian, you know? <laughs> so she's just very sassy and sarcastic and, you know, she says what other people are thinking and kind of doesn't care. And she's just a very entertaining character. So that would be a <laughs> kind of character. I love those characters. So I was wondering 
what some of your biggest challenges have been while you've embarked on this indie publishing journey? Because Sarah and I obviously have had quite a few and I assume you're no different. Yeah, I mean, I think part, you know, one of the first challenges is just understanding genre and understanding where your book fits in the marketplace. And I think that some of the challenges that I had with the first book at the beginning were because I misplaced my book in the marketplace. So I think that understanding reader expectations is is paramount and understanding that both when you're writing it and when you're trying to sell the book later. So I think that was probably one of the biggest challenges for me, which is understanding the importance of genre and why it exists. It exists so that readers who read books can find other books like the ones they already enjoy. So I think that it can be easy to forget as as authors when mm-hmm. like, I just want to write what I want to write. But there's a reason that genres exist and it's really for readers. So I think that was probably one of the first challenges. And I think also another piece was just trying to focus on story arcs and, you know, stories sometimes are a lot more simple than we think. And I think sometimes as authors, we can overcomplicate storylines and arcs and secondary characters because we think that books just need to have lots of stuff in it and (laughs) in my early drafts of my first book I had this and people who have read the book will probably be like what I had the main character had a roommate and she had a drug problem and was like hanging out with homeless people and she you know had a crush on her roommate and it was just this whole thing. And then I ended up just taking the whole character out because it wasn't doing anything to advance the main character's journey towards her more fulfilled self. It was a distraction. It was a lot of stuff happening with no reason to be there. So I think that, you know, one of the challenges that you can have as a writer is understanding what to cut and what to keep. And Mm -hmm. if you focus on, what you keep being aspects of the story that are purpose-driven and move the character forward. And if you have characters or events or scenes that don't advance the story, then for the most part, they should go. (laughs) (laughs) I remember another podcast that I was listening to and this well-known editor I think it might have been Sean Coyne that I heard this from and he said that typically people tend to either do one of two things when they start out writing novel which is like one either cram so much in that it could actually fill several stories and several books or two there's a lot of like nothing (laughs) and there's no real real plot (laughs) we we were fortunately enough to fall into the too many stories in one book for our first attempt (laughs) and had to shift part of the plot line to like the next book (laughs) but um you know it's it's a challenge I think when when you begin is trying to yeah sort out what's actually advancing the plot and what's needed and what's too much and what's too little (laughs) no for sure and it's and it's so interesting because you think stuff has to happen in a story and the discipline of writing is more often in the editing process of deciding what is actually the story of what's the story about and what is what are the characters trying to achieve and 
you know, putting, you know, I've heard some advice given that, you know, every scene should either get the, the hero closer to their goal or make it harder for them to reach their goal. So it should be advancing or impeding their progress towards their goal. And if it's not doing either of those things, it doesn't need to stay. So, and that includes characters, it includes scenes and events, and it's a very simplistic way to break it down. And when I say hero, I do mean heroine and people of all genders and stripes. And I, most of my stories really conform more to the heroine's journey, which is, you know, kind of the main character who is like assisted by a group of people around them, you know? So if you haven't read the heroine's journey and you are interested, that's a, a very good craft book. Our next question that we had on our outline was to talk about books on the horizon, but we have kind of discussed that already. However, I did want to ask you about that anthology that you were talking about earlier Ah. and make sure that we didn't miss out on that one. (laughs) So why don't you give us a rundown of what that one's about? Oh, for sure. So I had never been in anthology and I'm just kind of a, a joiny pusher pushy person in general so when I heard about someone in one of my author communities thinking of organizing a women's fiction anthology because you don't really see women's fiction anthologies very much you do a lot of science fiction a lot of you know gothic horror and paranormal and you see all kinds of other anthologies but not so much women's fiction so we organized one around the theme of motherhood and when I first when everyone voted on the theme, I was disappointed. I was like, oh, motherhood, it's going to be all squishy and flowers and whatever. <laughs> but yeah, it's it. not. I love This book is really good. Every story is so different from each other. The stories range from, you know, books that are around, you know, when children are young or birth, but then it goes up to, you know, older people and grieving and some are funny and some are set in you know, period times, you know, 1800s and World War II and, you know, all kinds of different, they're just so different from each other. And the story I have in there is called Motherhood Double Exposed. And it's also on a little bit of a sensitive topic, ironically. It's, well, maybe not for me, ironically, but it's, it's a story of a woman who is later in life, who was a war photographer in Vietnam and it was, you know, really into the feminist movement and had no plans to ever have children or marry or anything. And she gets pregnant while she is on assignment and they, you know, yank her out. And it's really a story about women who choose their careers over their children. And what are the consequences of that later in life when you are estranged from your children and, you know, what happens at that point? So it's a short story. All the books in, in the anthology are short stories and, I'm just, I'm really proud of the, I'm proud of the book. I'm, it's called Motherhood, A Million Ways, Stories of Motherhood. And I think it's a, it's a really great little story, you know, great little piece. So if you're interested in anthologies and reading short stories, I highly recommend it. What an interesting topic, both for the anthology in general, but also the angle that you took at it. It sounds really compelling Oh, yeah, very cool. Yes. Very cool. The character I wrote in that short story, I also love. I could write a whole book on her. So I, <laughs> I might do that at some later point. She doesn't fit into the Bold Journeys universe, but she's such a compelling character. And I think the story, you know, there could be a lot of really interesting, you know, you know, if you follow the daughter's perspective, you follow the mother's perspective, and, you know, how does that all come together? But I had many people tell me that they think it's, you know, one of the best things I've written, and I'm very excited. Although they haven't read my current work in progress. It's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get my do say so, Mr. I, if I say so, so myself. 
So given the time, we're kind of running a bit short on it at the moment. So is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that we haven't covered yet? No, I think the only thing that we haven't hopped on that, that I do like to include in my story is, is representation. And I think that within the women's fiction community, you know, there often isn't a lot of representation in the stories. You know, there's really great works out there, but I think that, you know, we could be doing better in that space. And that's also something that I take seriously in my stories that I try to include people from different backgrounds and communities in in my stories. So, um, which is another reason why I have so much time and effort put into the sensitivity piece. So I think that if people are writing from other communities or, you know, what are frequently called, you know, own voices or, you know, writing the other, you know, however you want to say it, I highly recommend people work with people from those communities because, you don't know what you don't know. And there's a lot of opportunity there to learn. It's not just about someone wagging a finger at you. It's about getting it right and adding dimension and authenticity to the characters you're creating. So I think that's the only other thing we didn't touch on that I just find interesting and worth discussing. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, as you were saying that, I was thinking, you know, as well as enhancing your novel, when you do that type of research, I think that you can actually get a lot of growth yourself and, and a lot of understanding. I think it's a real great opportunity as an author to sort of develop your understanding in those areas that are outside of your own experience as well. Oh, absolutely. In, in What We Never Say in my second book, I have a therapy thread and I gave it to a, you know, a therapist as a sensitivity reader. You know, this is what's going on. And she helped me so much because I had written this grizzled old therapist that was like a Sigmund Freud type of guy. Like that's what kind of popped to mind. And she was able to tell me that, you know what, the therapists pursuing this area are young. They are young and they're really dealing more peer to peer with some of their patients. So I was able to craft a authentic therapist character for my book who was much younger than the one I originally had in mind. And I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't reached out and had a therapist engage in the project. That's a really good example. Yeah. Of how your viewpoint can change when you are actually given the opportunity to sort of understand how you might actually portray someone in your fiction. It's really interesting as well. Yeah, I think people have a little misunderstood the process. I think they're afraid to engage one because they think someone's going to wag their finger and tell them no, but mm -hmm. they're yep. going to really enlighten them and make it better. Like you never yep. would have guessed that, you know, that was the type or demographic of person that was like working in that profession. That's so interesting. It was super interesting. I was like, wow. I mean, I have so many examples, but I know we're out of time. So. <laughs> <laughs> I will keep going. Before we wrap this up, can you tell us where people can find your books and how people might get in touch with you? Oh, absolutely. So they can reach me on my website, which is paulettestout.com. And I'm on all over social media, usually at the handle Paulette Stout Author on Twitter, I'm at Stout, S-T-O-U-T, content. And you can pop over to my website, see what's going on, find my books there. I sell wide, so I'm on every retailer I'm in libraries, I have audio, I have print. So, you know, if you are at an indie bookshop, they can absolutely order the book for you. If you like to buy digitally, I'm all over the place. So come and give my books a chance. 
<laughs> awesome. So thank you so much, Paulette, for coming on the show. I think people will get a really, you know, get a lot of valuable information from this podcast. You know, I think I, well, at least for me personally, I found your insight into the marketing side of things really fascinating. And I also feel like a lot of people can relate <laughs> to your journey that you've gone through to get your books where they are. So thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. If you would like to be on an author spotlight, just like Paulette has done, then you can apply by going to lindersoncreations.com. Hover your mouse over the podcast tab in the main menu and you will find a drop down to be featured on Dear Writer. And next time on Dear Writer, it's another one of our craft episodes. So tune in in a couple of weeks to hear that. If you'd like to know more about us and our writing projects, you can visit us at the aforementioned website, lindersoncreations.com, or contact us on Facebook or Instagram under the handle Lindison Creations. And if you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Tell your friends about us and we'll be back in two weeks. Happy writing, everyone. <laughs>